Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is Dr. Maureen Seitz, a family medicine physician at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Dr. Seitz completed a fellowship in geriatrics at Vanderbilt University and is board certified in both family medicine and geriatrics. She's here today to talk with us about bone density and the lifestyle choices we can make that will give us the best chance to remain strong and mobile and continue to enjoy all the activities we love as we get older. Hi, Maureen. How are you today? Hi, Pam. Nice to hear your voice. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Not too long ago, I had a bone density test and my results got my attention. I don't have osteoporosis, but I do have some osteopenia. And it's frustrating because I thought I was doing all the things to prevent it. Obviously, I'm not. So I'm excited to have an expert today to tell me and listeners what we should be doing. So before we dive into the ins and outs of bone density, can you give us all a cocktail version of your background? Oh, okay. Well, let's see. I started medical school when I was 42 years old and have been practicing as a family medicine doctor with a fellowship in geriatrics since then. I have a 20, almost 23-year-old son, and I live in Nashville with my husband, Donald. Well, I applaud you for going back to med school at a later age. I know that had to be hard, especially with a young child at home. I've had a front row seat to my daughter-in-law and her medical school and residency, and it's brutal. So what prompted you to go back to medical school? I think it had, well, I know it had always been a dream of mine to study medicine and for various reasons related to how I grew up and the situation of my upbringing and the fact that no one in my family had ever graduated from college before. I was the first person to graduate from college and I didn't realize how big of a difference that makes if you don't have anyone around you who's already been through that situation and can kind of guide you in the right way. And um, I had a lot of debt when I finished undergraduate school. You know, I had to get scholarships and loans to pay for my college and then felt really obligated to get all that paid back before I could move forward. And then, yeah, so that's part of what took me so long. And then When I had my son at age 38, I think I really thought, what do I want him to know about me? (laughs) Do I want him to know that, you know, I always had this dream of going to medical school and I didn't pursue it? Or do I want to show him that you can follow your dreams? And I think that's what really spurred me on. You know, it is really hard, you know, going to medical school and having a family. I could not have done it without my amazing husband who really stepped in and became Mr. Mom and 
I really, I don't have any big regrets about the decision. There are a lot of, you know, small regrets about times that I couldn't be with my family. And, you know, the choice of medicine, you really have to put your patients first. And it's hard to put your family first and your family, you know, always comes second. And it's, it continually breaks my heart, but I also think that my family understands and supports me and knows how much I love them. I love that. It's very inspiring. So tell us what your position entails today. Well, I work at the Student Health Center at Vanderbilt University, and you're going to have to excuse my gravelly voice. I realize that allergies in Nashville are worse than almost anywhere else in the country. <laughs> so my apologies for that. I agree. But I, I work with graduate students and undergraduate students in a student health setting. And I really, even though I have a fellowship in geriatrics and have also taken care of people at the end of their life, I realized that the family medicine doctor, everything that you do when you're taking care of older people informs how you take care of the 20-something age group. You have a clearer perspective on what is going to matter in the future. You have so much coming at you as a 20-year-old. It's hard to know all of the time, like what is important and what to focus on. And I think, I hope that I can help with that. Well, I'm sure the Vanderbilt students are very lucky to have you. Can we start off with bone density and have you describe it and tell us why it's important? Well, your bones are the chassis, okay? So I always okay. think of really medicine is not much more difficult than plumbing and electricity and <laughs> <laughs> and a framework. So, you know, your bones are really the chassis of your body. Like that is what keeps everything in place and keeps you upright. But your muscles hold your bones there. Okay. So it's really important to protect bone health. And the way that you do that is by using your muscles, like pulling muscle, pulling against bone is what builds up bone. I don't think anyone has left this planet at the end of their life with their maximal amount of bone density. So I don't want you to beat yourself up about having osteopenia. Thank you. I've heard that you can't reverse bone density, but you can prevent it. Is that correct? Well, you know, you probably can there are probably certain people that can build up their bone density, maybe in small amounts. But in general, your peak bone density occurs probably in your third decade, so somewhere in your 30s. And after that, bone density starts to decrease. So the point is not to prevent your bone density from decreasing, but to slow it down and minimize it so that at the end of the day, the bread comes out even with the jam, right? So you, you don't want to end up in your 50s with osteoporosis and broken bones when you still have, you know, the rest of your, you know, body is doing really well. So <laughs> does that make sense? It does make sense. <laughs> so let's start with the test for bone density. 
when should you get it and how often should you do it? And can you tell us what it entails and what it measures? That's a lot of questions. Yeah. And there's not one clear answer either. So it kind of depends on your age, your family history, your personal history. Probably the most frequently that you should have a bone density test is every two years. That's what we recommend for people who clearly have osteoporosis or osteopenia, especially if they're on you know some kind of medication so we can monitor it. And like I said, the point is not to, you know, reverse it, but to just preserve as much bone mass as you can so that you have what you need to get you through the rest of your life. Okay. And for those who have not had a bone density test just yet, can you just tell what it involves? Yeah, very simple. It's just a, it's an x-ray, but it's a low dose x-ray. And usually they measure it depends on the person, but they'll measure like your lumbar spine, which is your low back or your femur, which is the top of your leg and hip or your wrist. And they'll just basically compare that to other normal controls. So take a bunch of people and you just average them all. And I like, are you average? Are you above average? Are you below average? Really? Where are you with your bone density given your age? And then that determines if you are showing signs of osteopenia or osteoporosis? Yeah, or how much of that. Okay. How much, yes. So if you think about like normal bone is like a scaffold, you know, there's lots of interconnections and osteopenia is when there are fewer of those connections that hold your bones together and they, they basically just become more brittle, more liable to break. A young person in their 20s, they fall and their bones are more elastic, you know, so there's a little more bend before they will actually break. So it takes more force to break a bone. As your bones age, they get more brittle and fracture more easily. They don't have as much bend in them. I've heard some people say that they really don't even know that they have osteopenia or osteoporosis until they have a bone that breaks from a not so significant fall or bump. True. I mean, that happens a lot. You know, if you have bad osteoporosis, you can take one step wrong and, you know, fracture a leg. My mother in law had a hip fracture doing leg exercises in a pool. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Well, (laughs) I've been more careful in recent years because I have heard about friends falling. Some have recovered better than others, but I now hold on to hand railings when I'm going up and down the stairs. And I'm just a little bit more careful because of the stories I've heard. I would say that is smart. You know, your bones are going to get more brittle, but It's important to prevent falls because, you know, if you do fall, you're more likely to break something, but it's still really important to continue to exercise in a safe way and, you know, make sure you have enough calcium and vitamin D in your diet. And we're going to get into that a little bit more because I have some specific questions about that. And before we get into that, can you tell us 
the difference between osteopenia and osteoporosis? The difference is really just a matter of degree. So as I mentioned, your peak bone mass occurs probably in your 20s, early 30s. And after that, your bones start to lose density. And when it gets to a certain point, a certain score that we, you know, measure, then we we describe that as osteoporosis. It's somewhat arbitrary, but it's just a mark, you know, that we say, okay, you know, below this, we're going to call it osteopenia. And above this, we're going to call it osteoporosis because it's a way that we can just measure things. Okay. Thank you. Now you've mentioned exercise. Exercise and diet seem to be the answer for everything. It is. It is. It really is. It's like a good night's sleep, making sure you get exercise, but not overdoing it and having a good diet are the most powerful medicines that we have and will keep you away from the doctor. So what kind of exercise is best for bone density? Definitely weight-bearing exercise, and that includes walking, yoga, weights, but you don't want to, you know, overdo it with weights. But basically, anything that you're doing that's making your muscle pull on the bone, so your muscles are attached to your bone. So if you contract a muscle, the ends of that muscle pull on your bone. And that's what brings your arm up with a biceps curl, for instance. And that's a stress on your bone. And that's a good stress on your bone because it, it triggers your bone to go, oh, we need to like build up some more bone here. So that type of exercise is the best. Not so much swimming or biking? Oh, I would never tell anybody not to swim or bike. And I think you can, you are pulling against bone when you swim. And you are definitely doing the same thing when you bike. The thing about biking is that now you have a higher fall risk with biking. So if you do have osteoporosis, that would be a higher risk exercise and something that you would need to think about. Because if you were to fall, you're much more likely to break something. And when you say walking, can we just walk at a normal pace or do we have to pick it up a bit? When we're talking about, you know, cardiovascular health, you know, they recommend that you get your heart rate up, but yeah, just walking, like even, even like 6,000 steps a day, (laughs) which is not a lot. And most people have little things that measure how many steps they take a day, but if you can at least get that, it's going to help you. And any more that you add on top of that is only going to be better up to probably 12 or 15 at the most, because the key is really to exercise without wearing out your joints. So doing planks and wall sits and balancing exercises where even that you hold on to the back of a chair and just try to stand on one leg, that will help keep your muscles strong and will help maintain your balance. Because as you get older, The other thing that happens is that your balance is not as good. Mm -hmm. And so if you were to take a misstep, you're less likely to be able to catch yourself. So not only like strengthening your muscles, but improving your balance. And I'm such a big proponent of yoga, but you have to just do whatever works for you. I always say the best exercise 
is the one that you'll do. I know you're a big yoga fan and you do it almost every day. Is that correct? Yes, I do. I do it online with um, a free yoga app or YouTube called Yoga with Adrian. Done a lot of yoga in my life and not all yoga teachers are equal. And I just think she is amazing and has just an excellent attitude. She's fun and she mixes it up. And she understands that it's not about doing yoga for an hour and a half every day. It's just, it's really about, you know, baby steps and doing a little something every day to just keep your body strong. And it helps your mind too. And I'll put that in the show notes so that if someone's interested in looking up her classes, they can. Maureen, do I hear you saying that by overdoing the exercise, we can cause harm to our bones? Your yes, as I said, your bones are like your chassis, okay? So it does wear out over time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But using your muscles to pull against your bone strengthens that. But if you're doing like repetitive, repetitive motion, doing, you know, this is how my mother-in-law broke her hip. She wasn't just doing like 10 leg lifts in the pool. She was doing 150, okay? Oh my. So she was- Everything uh, in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) She was something. But yeah, people do tend to get some arthritis in their joints as they get older. It's just the cushioning in our joints just kind of wears out a little bit or gets thinner and you can have a little bit of arthritis. But the last thing you should do is stop moving. But walking is good. And then, as I said, like weight-bearing exercises that don't involve repetitive motion. Another reason why I love yoga so much, because, you know, you can do a plank or you can do, you know, so many things that work to stretch and strengthen your muscles without overusing your joints. Good to know. Let's talk about diet and supplements. I think there are a lot of mixed messages out there. We need calcium, but not too much, or it'll hurt our health. We need vitamin D, but not too much. We need this, but not too much. So what do you recommend in terms of vitamins? And are you a fan of supplements? That's two questions again. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, that's good. The best way that you can get all of your nutrients is from food. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is able to do that. So, I mean, the recommended amount of calcium per day for older women is 1,200 milligrams. And you can get that, you can get that with your diet if you're eating a fair amount of low-fat dairy products. But whatever you're not getting, you should make up with a supplement. So, you know, just Take a look at your average diet. If you're eating, you know, some kind of low-fat dairy three times a day, you're probably good. But if you're not doing that, you might want to take not more than, I would say, a 1,000 milligrams of calcium a day. And I would divide that into two or three doses. So you're not taking the whole 1,000, you know, milligrams at once. If you have to take a thousand, I would take, you know, 500 in the morning, 500 at night. Would you recommend vitamin D in that calcium supplement? You can take vitamin D with calcium if you like. You're looking to get like 800 international units of 
vitamin D. And when I say vitamin D, I specifically mean vitamin D3. There are two types of vitamin D you can pick up at the store. And one is D3 and one is D2. D3, you just absorb it better, more quickly. So I recommend vitamin D3, 800 international units. And the thing about vitamin D is that you don't have to take vitamin D every day because it is a fat-soluble vitamin and it gets stored you know, in our fat stores. You can take it once a week or once every two weeks, <laughs> which is how I end up taking it because it's important to take vitamin D with food, as in with a full meal that includes a healthy fat source so that you absorb it. So just taking, you know, your vitamin D and calcium supplement on an empty stomach or with a piece of toast that doesn't have a lot of, you know, any kind of peanut butter or butter or anything like that, you're not going to absorb it as well. So I tend to take my vitamin D like once a week when I remember, I'm like, and I think, well, when's the last time I took any vitamin D? And then I just multiply those days by about 800 and I just take that much, you know, after a meal. Interesting. Okay. I currently take a calcium supplement with vitamin D and perhaps I will separate those two out and take them separately. You can if you want to, but just know that when you're taking your vitamin D, just make sure you take it with food because that's how you're going to absorb it the best. Let's talk about medications. If one is diagnosed with osteoporosis, I know there are medications out there that help with that. Yeah. Well, I always tell my patients, Pam, that, you know, the point of life is not to get to the end of your life and not ever have taken any medications. So the point of your life is to have a good day and have another good day and have another good day until that adds up to a good life. And if that means you are taking a medication, then so be it. There are risks with every medication. There are also, when you have osteoporosis, risks of not taking a medication. And you need to discuss with your doctor, like what works for you. So, you know, your doctor may recommend that you take a medicine for osteoporosis because your doctor may believe that your risk of fall and subsequent fracture is higher than the risk of whatever side effect of the osteoporosis medication would be. So it's a very individual decision and something I just, I wish for everyone a fabulous primary care doctor who can have that discussion with them and let them lead the way. I feel like our job as primary care doctors is not to tell people what to do, but to share our knowledge and information in the context of a person's life and values and goals to help them come to the best decision for themselves. Besides yoga, what do you do for exercise? And I know you're careful with your diet. I do a fair amount of walking. And that's really, mm -hmm. that's really kind of it. Walking and yoga. That's about what I have time for and what I can fit into my life. And I have a pretty busy clinic schedule still. And 
I have found that the people that we see in the doctor's office are people who don't exercise at all or people who exercise too much. Then we start seeing sports injuries. So trying to like find that balance between like doing enough every day and balancing eating healthy and getting enough sleep and getting some movement and some strength training and some aerobic exercise and just try not to overdo it. Mm-hmm. And I've been <laughs> guilty of that. And I've paid the price of paid the price a few times. I'm learning. I'm, I've been a slow study, but I am learning. Another thing that we haven't quite touched on is alcohol. Oh, if you're really trying to avoid osteoporosis, you should probably avoid alcohol. It just is not good for your bones. And we know that alcohol is really not good for you. A lot of people say, you know, one or two glasses probably won't do you any harm, but it's not necessarily going to benefit you either. But if you're dealing with osteoporosis, that would be my recommendation. But again, as I always say, nobody gets out of here alive. Nobody gets out <laughs> of here perfect health. <laughs> and you you have to decide like what's important to you. You know, if your life is going to be ruined because you <laughs> don't have your glass of wine, but your bones are in great health, like what's the point? <laughs> now you said one or two glasses. Does that mean a day or a week? Well, one or two glasses a day, your body can probably like metabolize that without creating too many toxic effects. You know, like your body can probably process that amount of toxin. Okay. But the more alcohol you drink, the thinner your bones are going to get. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Maureen, is there anything else that we need to know about bone density? Well, there is one more lifestyle modification that anyone who is concerned about preserving their bone density can achieve, and that is smoking cessation. If you are a smoker, it's really important if you want to preserve your bone health to get into a good program and get someone, you know, who can help you quit smoking. Understandable. Well, I always like to end the show by asking my guests about one new thing they've done or discovered lately something small or large, but do you have a new thing that you've done lately that you'd like to share with us? Well, I can tell you about my favorite tea that just brings so much joy into my life every day. Oh, tell us. (laughs) That is a London fog, which consists of an Earl Grey tea with bergamot, and or lavender flavor and some steamed milk and a tiny little bit of vanilla syrup just to bring out the essence of the lavender and the bergamot. And there is some evidence that, you know, there's some antidepressant qualities to that. So maybe that's why I like it so much, but (laughs) I look forward to that. Do you have it every day? Not every day, but every day that I possibly can. And (laughs) It really helps me on the days that I work and I have a long clinic day to know that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, helps me get out of bed in the morning and keep going. I can't wait to try one. I might do that this afternoon. Well, I'd be happy to join you anytime. (laughs) 
That's a date. Maureen, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. I really appreciate it. So great talking with you, Pam. Well, that's it for today's show. A huge thank you to Dr. Seitz for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.